What is up? Welcome into the SBI Rundown. Thanks for joining us here. Episode 39. We're going to be talking about U.S. soccer. What a way to end 2020. Champions League, Americans, things are looking still continue to look good for them. Uh, and that, and we'll preview the MLS Cup final, which I just confirmed we know that you're going to. So uh, what's cracking, man? You, you, you pack your bags, you set to go? I have not packed a thing. Uh, I haven't been. I haven't been on a road trip in uh, in a while. I mean, me, 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 and the wife did a little getaway to Atlantic City for our our twentieth anniversary, actually. But that was like a couple of days, and it was in state. Uh, but now to actually do the whole eight hour drive to Ohio, uh, you know, it's a little to be a little nerve wracking. I actually thought about trying to bring my kids, my, my two sons with me and have a little yeah. bonding experience on the road, but my wife was not having it. And fair point. I mean, you know, there's no point in having them travel in the pandemic and, and this and that in Ohio, it sounds like the cases are going up. So we're going to play it safe and I'm just going to roll, roll solo. I'm going to be the solo road warrior uh, going, heading to Ohio. Are you like me? I wait till the last possible second to do my laundry and then pack. And then it's like, Hey, we got to leave in 15 minutes. Like I'm, I'm horrible. I am a, I am a last minute packer. It drives my wife crazy, especially when like I fly and stuff like I, yeah. Oh yeah. Thank Thankfully my wife is like, she does laundry every day. It seems like, so there's like, I, it's never like I'm stuck with like not having the clothes I need. So I'm, I'm good there, but man, I can't, I don't even remember what it's like to travel. I haven't flown since January when I went to us national team camp when they were in Florida. So um, I'm not flying this time. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to fly again, but uh, yeah, it's, I got to remember how to pack. I got to find my luggage, man. I don't, even, I don't even know where my luggage is. I know. Last time I flew was end of February. I always wait last second. I remember one time we had a flight going to England and and thank God the flight was late because I was busy installing a drip system for a tree. So my wife was like not having it. So you can't beat that, Ivis. <laughs> the gardener. Oh, listen, I I've been late. It's like, an, for honestly, it's almost like, it's like an Olympic sport for me. How late can you be? to the airport how close can you cut oh it i know to your to your yeah, but dude, once and you get pre-checked though it's so it's so nice though you just walk right in it's if you don't have pre-checked people get pre-checked it's it's, it's worth it look at you man humble it bragging over it. here it is worth it okay big, big time and stop it it's worth it it's worth like the 15 bucks a year whatever it is anyways we got to talk u.s soccer what a way to end uh 2020 huge victory over el salvador uh, six to zero. Look, we all know the opponent. We all know what is what what, what was going on in this match. But look, the U.S. did what need to do, and uh, lots of positive take from the match. Players were hungry. Players were aggressive. I mean, lots of goals. It was uh, it was it was very fun to watch. Ivan, it's very fun. I'm sure everyone enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I mean, U.S. U.S. men's national team fans can definitely. So uh, be, be a little happy. And it's kind of like the analogy that comes to mind to me, it's kind of like the homecoming game where, you know, you schedule the, the weak sister, the, the weak, you know, the weak opponent uh, that, you know, you're going to beat, uh, put a, put up a bunch of uh, touchdowns on if it's American football, but here, you know, it really is beggars can't be choosers in December. Mm-hmm. You throw a game together. They're able to get El Salvador. And it, this, I don't even think this was their full strength El Salvador team, but honestly, it's not even about the result. It's about, having a look at players, having a chance to play them in your system. And, you know, there definitely were some standouts in it. Um, yep. no, no one's saying the U.S. is winning the World Cup because they beat El Salvador. But you like seeing some new guys come in. Chris Mueller obviously looked really, really good. Julian Arahu, I thought, looked looked, looked pretty good. Brendan Aronson did what we would expect him to do. And then one of the stories of the night, Paul Ariola coming back from the torn ACL scores a goal. And, uh, you know, it, it, it ticked all the boxes, everything you could want from the night, including a shutout. Yeah. Yeah. You got, no, you're definitely right. And, and for me, you know, my takeaway with this is, is and you're exactly right. And if you're your opponent, us did what it needed to do. It punished El Salvador when they made mistakes and took advantage. Now the, the, the bigger comment, if, if us didn't do that is how can you not beat a team like El Salvador? But look, that's, they did what they did. They blew out a team that they were much better talent wise than were, but you kick it off. Chris Mueller, two goals should have had a hat trick, uh, but very nice of him to pass it up. But uh Two assists in this match, and uh, I guess what 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 a debut for him. Did he have two? Assists? I didn't even realize he had two assists. Well, I don't yeah, think they assists, gave but... him. They don't. I don't think they gave him the assist on the Ariola. Uh, oh, they the did. Oh, I thought he got the Ariola assist. Okay. I thought so too, but last time I checked, I didn't see it. But either way, he obviously helped set it up. Um, just a great game for him. And if you remember when we had when the roster came out and we previewed the roster. Chris Miller was the name that that was probably the first. I think it was the first name that I discussed because I really see him fitting in well 
with Greg Berhalter's system in, in terms of looking for wingers who can get up and down and who can uh, make really dangerous runs and, and put pressure on opposing defenses. And he's just, he's a pit bull, man. He, he really goes at people. And, uh, you know, you just saw it from minute one in this game, what he can do. And again, it's El Salvador, it's an El Salvador, maybe a El Salvador B team, but you still love to see him take full advantage of his first opportunity. And he's going to get more. I mean, that much is clear just because you saw what he can do and, you know, I, I think if anything, it might have opened some people's eyes who maybe weren't that familiar with Chris Mueller because, you know, he's been on some bad Orlando City teams. And uh, Greg Berhalter made an interesting point because I, I actually asked him about Mueller and what he sees different in Mueller from when he saw when he coached against him in MLS. And he made the interesting point, totally valid point that now it looks like Mueller actually like he there's more purpose to his runs and, and to him. You know, he runs all over the field, but now there's a little more purpose. Like he, he like he kind of has a better understanding of where he's going and where he needs to go. Yeah. And that, that's a credit to Oscar Pareja and the work is he, that he's done. And, and Mueller said the same thing. I asked Mueller after the match about that. And Mueller made that point that he reads the game more than he ever did before. So that I mean, that's great to see. Which means for me, he's only going to get better. And as much as this was a breakout year, he's going to I think he's going to get even better in 2021. No, you're definitely right. And, and like I said, right there, I, I mean, look, he was overmatched. I mean, he had, he, had, he had advantage on the left side, took advantage of that. And and look, you, you did see some issues with El Salvador, right? I mean, Sebastian Legette's goal was because El Salvador's back line was a hot mess on that one. But hey, look, that's not his fault. I mean, the goal was a nice finish right there. But but his other midfield counterpart, Brandon Aronson, um, he scored his first uh, goal with the U.S. men's national team, also provided an assist. Uh, also another strong performance for him in this match. He's the one, man. I, 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 coming into the match, he's the one that I wanted to see, and and, and he's the one who I thought would have a, a big game, just because of the quality that he has and and how how he's progressed throughout the year. Um, and I had a chance to ask him and Berhalter about his progression, and and you really see a guy who's who's come along so far just in this one year. Because I, I said it last episode in October of 2019, he it almost seemed like he, like Greg Berhalter had brought in a player maybe earlier than he should have. And maybe it's true. Maybe he wasn't ready, but in bringing him in early, it opened Aaron's eyes to how, to what he still need, how far he still needed to go. And he actually said that I asked him about it. And he actually made that point that being in those trainings and he was with the full squad when they had, you know, when they had the European based guys. So he got to train and, and be around Polisic and, and McKinney and those guys. So that showed him the bar that he had to kind of shoot for. And when you saw him in 2020, you saw the rapid growth and the rapid improvement. Now, was it a perfect game for him against El Salvador? No, he had, you know, the, the field I thought was a bit of a mess and he, you know, he didn't have the sharpest of touches that we're used to from him, but you still saw the quality and I can't wait to see him play for Jesse Marsh at, at Red Bull Salzburg, even though they yeah. didn't make it to the Champions League knockouts. I mean, they're going to Europa League and Aronson's going to have his chances. I mean, Salzburg's going to sell a player or two, I think in the January window, and there's going to be minutes for him uh, and he's going to be playing for a coach who will definitely get the best out of him. Well, and I think the one thing that impressed me the most, Ivis, with the U.S. team in the first 20, 30 minutes was how tenacious they were in getting the ball back. You saw that consistently, right? Paul Ariola, Chris Mueller, Brandon Aronson, Jackson Yule. I, I thought he looked really good out there um, getting the ball forward. And, and while we can focus, right, on the guys who score, the guys who get the assists, you know, the back line not called into too much pressure in this match, but I believe they had lawn chairs. I believe Aaron Long <laughs> yeah. and Mark McKenzie were sitting back and they had the mimosas and they were just chilling in the back. I know Mark McKenzie, Mark McKenzie was pretty much playing as a holding mid and Aaron Long's like, I, I got it. I'll just sit back here for you. But, but when you look at the fullbacks though, Vines and Arejo, I thought they had good matches. Um, not too much pressure for them, but like I said, overall, I mean, I thought the back line looked good when they needed to look good. Araujo, Araujo looked good. Thank you. I butchered uh, that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but there was a one funny moment late in the match where, and and I thought Arau was having a very good game, but he had a, a bit of a lazy back pass that set up a chance for El Salvador. And honestly, it almost felt like Bill Hamid went to like Arau and said, "Hey, listen, man, I need a save. I need a, I need I need some action. Can you turn the ball over and see if we can get a shot?" And that's what happened. El Salvador got a shot. Bill Hamid saved it, and it wasn't you know no threat. But uh, I thought Arau looked good, man. He, he showed his he showed his quality on the ball. And as much as El Salvador didn't offer much of a threat in their attack, so you didn't really test him uh, as a defender, I, I thought he sh when, when the ball would come his way and his ability to kind of do, make things happen with it, his, his control, and obviously his, his cross on Chris Mueller's second goal, I mean, that was a perfect cross. So yep. you saw the qualities that, that, that are why Mexico wants him and why the U.S. national team wants him. And, and again, you got to give Greg Berhalter credit. He gives Araujo the start. 
great experience for Arahu, celebrates with Paul Ariola, who he, he got tight with in the January camp. And there you go, you're developing those relationships. And as much as, as we've said it many times, that some of these players are going to try to play this game where they're, you know, they're trying to negotiate more opportunities with national teams by, you know, flexing their dual national, uh, dual national cards, you know, players like Arahu with these experiences at the end of the day, you know, what's going to happen, at least for him. I think it's, you know, if you ask me what I'm betting on, Arahu is going to play for the United States. Can I say the same thing about Efren Alvarez, who obviously, you know, he wasn't eligible to play in this friendly, but he was in the camp and it's still very much a toss up with Mexico folks in Mexico really, really believe he's going to play for Mexico. Although there is some doubt now, uh, when, when Alvarez accepted the call up to this camp, I had to go check out the message boards, the, the, the you know, the Twitter's feeds and see what people were saying. And as you might expect, Mexican fans are not happy. They're pretty much on the whole, you can have them thing. And uh, he's not, you know, he's not real Mexican. We don't need it. So it's all the bitterness pretty much has already begun. So that, and that's going to work in the U.S.'s favor because, you know, if Arahu kind of gets a taste, of, I mean, Arahu, if, if Efren Alvarez get a taste of that, maybe he'll, you know, stick around and play for the U.S. Well, I think you brought this up back at the November camp that for guys who are those dual nationalities, there's been proven time that you get them into camp with the way that the U S team kind of has, has shown really good cohesiveness and chemistry. Um, and it, right. And I think a lot of these guys realize that, Hey, we're the next generation of players, right? You get them into camp and this U S team is very welcoming and very positive. And it seems that everyone really wants everyone to do well. I, I saw some of that I was talking about the U S players are watching the game. Um, the Juventus game against Barcelona, right? And, and, and they were, you know, watching Serginio Jess and Weston McKinney play, right? So you kind of feel this, it, you feel a sense of camaraderie top, from top to bottom in U.S. soccer right now, everyone wanting to do well and wanting to be part of something that they know is special right now. And that's attractive for a lot of players. Absolutely. Think about it, right? If you Now, if you're Alfred Alvarez, as much as you look, he's obviously been a part of the Mexico setup for a few years now. He was at the Under-17 World Cup. He got to the final with Mexico in the Under-17 World Cup. At the same time, I'm sure he has some he has some sense of feeling that there is that connection with the United States. Otherwise, he wouldn't have accepted a call up even to a camp. But when you're when you're you know if you're Alfred Navarez, you're a teenager and you look at the team you know when you look at Sergio Des what he's doing, Gio Reyna, and all these young stars that are starting to break through in the United States, and you're sitting yourself saying, you know what, this U.S. team could be an absolute monster when I'm in my prime, right? Yeah. And, you know, obviously, Efren Alvarez, what is he, 18 now, 17, 18? So his prime is still years away. But if you're him and you're looking at what is there for that age group, I mean, if it's a toss-up, you're going to go play for the United States. No offense to Mexico. I mean, I'm sure they have some talent coming up as well. But I don't see any teenage Mexicans, uh, you know, playing in Champions League and starting for the Barcelonas of the world. And and, and, and scoring Chelsea's goals. And, Juventus yeah. and scoring goals for Juventus against yeah. Barcelona. So uh, everything is working in the U.S.'s favor. Obviously, they still got to put it together. They still have to win the games that count. And that's still a ways away. But I think U.S. fans have earned the right to, to to be a little giddy, to get a little excited, and to be to be to start really feeling confident that things are slowly starting to come together. Yeah, agree with you on that. Now, before we move on, Greg Broalter has a lot to think about now for 2021. We've talked about length. You guys can listen to the previous show. We talked about length about local qualifying Nations League, um, um, uh, Gold Cup, Olympics, U20. So many things going on right now. However, though this match was a good thing because it showed Greg, Greg Brohalter that the depth is there for the U.S. for 2021. And that's the most important thing, right, is you want to deliver in these competitions. You want to build that depth chart, go in into World Cup qualifying. The schedule's brutal, three matches in a window. You're going to need this. And, and for Greg Brohalter, I mean, he has, he has a lot of good things to think about with potentially that, you know, that January camp, which is a couple weeks away. Right. I mean, there's a lot of depth there. And, and I think Jan the January camp is going to re be really big. I mean, it's got, I think it's going to be even more important than this camp, just in terms of, I think it's going to be a stronger group. Uh, obviously, you're not going to have Aaron's in there because he'll be at Salzburg. But um, I'm looking forward to that January camp and to see who he brings into that um, and what they're going to do with it. Because are they going to have it be a full U23s? Is it going to, are they going to have two camps? Are they going to get a U23 camp together? So many questions, but it, the year ahead, if you're if you're a U.S. fan, you, you should be feeling pretty good. And one thing, and we say it all the time, obviously there's a lot of U.S. fans who don't rate MLS, who just don't, either they don't watch it, they think it's inferior, they, they don't think there's players worth worth anything or worth, you know, even looking at because it's all about the European-based players. And I've said it a million times, there's clearly talent in MLS that can help the, the full squad 
And there's plenty of young talent that's coming up that you're going to see breakthrough, especially in 2021. And it's time for these people to start realizing that the reason why the argument is stupid Ivis is these guys start in MLS not all of them do but some of them do and then they have to go to Europe right so it's not like yeah well no not well now you're well well, we've said it now that they're younger now that they're getting younger now that they're starting and making best 11s as teenagers Mark McKenzie made best I mean I can't remember the last time a center back as young as Mark McKenzie made best 11 I mean I, I don't know what the record is but it's been a long time so and now he's being courted by, you know, there's a lot of teams in Europe that, that want him and, and Brendan Aronson. So the, I think the, those U.S. fans who have turned their nose up at MLS need to maybe take it down a notch and start realizing that there's talent coming up. There's talent coming up from MLS. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, for me, that's why I think if you're Greg Berhalter, you're, you're feeling really good because you, these are players you can mold now because it's different. It's one thing when you get like 25, 26, 27 year olds who are in, you know, breaking out, breaking through and becoming all-stars. That's what it used to be. Right. And at that point, it's kind of like, they're pretty much, they are what they are. Players are what they are. Now you're getting 19, 20, 21, 18. That that's, you know, you can mold those players. So if you're if Greg Berhalter, if I'm Greg Berhalter, I'm super excited at how many young prospects I have to work with and mold and to, you know, influence. And we're already seeing it, man. We're already seeing it with the guys like Aronson. Aronson is a perfect example. $6 million transfer heading to Red Bull Salzburg. Greg Berhalter had his hand, hand to play in that. Full credit is Jim Curtin in the union. They had the majority of the role in developing him. But Greg Berhalter calling him in as a teenager, if maybe be, you know ahead of time and then calling him in in january and then calling him in again now like that has boosted aronson's confidence and now he's heading to europe and now he could be playing in europa league as a 19 20 year old so that's i mean it's great to see they said a stat at the game that uh Berhalter has capped 32 different players i was like dang that's a, that's a lot of guys 32 that yeah, feels 32. light actually feel, I, I thought oh, it really was to me i, I felt like was, a lot i was like dang. well well is it no he's given 32 their debut yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. That, yeah, that's different. That's different. In terms yeah. of players that he's used, I mean, yeah, over yeah. 100. Or, or oh, crazy yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Th- thank you for correcting me right there. Um, one final thing before we talk about American Champions League, U.S. Soccer announced their end-of-year awards uh, for Female Player of the Year, Male Player of the Year, Young Female Player of the Year, and Young Male Player of the Year. Um, you could check that on U.S. Soccer. Um you know, it's, it's, it's always curious. You know, the one thing I do find interesting, I've in the young U S male player of the year, Enos Musa was nominated. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so yeah. there you go. There's the, he award. hasn't even committed to the U S yet. How do you put him in a category that I'm so, that, that, that for me, look, I hope he plays for the U S I hope he ends up signing the, the one-time switch, but you shouldn't have him in this category just because he's not, he still hasn't committed. He can't play in a competition for the U S. So how do you have him in this category? Uh, I, I think so. I think some folks got a little bit too happy there. And, and he, can you can you give it to him? I mean, how, that'd be kind of crazy if he actually won it. Now, what I would say is, as far as this, as far as these awards go, usually traditionally the awards are supposed to be that when you're weighing the accomplishments in a year, you're supposed to weigh national team performances more heavily. It's like a you know, there's no like perfect formula for it, but let's just say hypothetically it's like 75% what you do with the national team, 25% what you do with your club team. Well, 2020 is a little different. There were only four US games all year, only four for men's for men's national team. So at most you could have played four national team games all year. So someone like Christian Pulisic, I don't know if people even realize he has not played for the US in 2020. So you know, what, what do you count? So with someone like Christian Pulisic, you have to look at his club play. And obviously, you know, he had a breakout year yeah. at Chelsea. Um, so he's in that conversation. I'm not ready to make my pick yet. Maybe next episode or the episode after that, I'll, I'll say who I think should win. But it, it's going to be a very unique uh, uh, decision-making process just because we're so used to having, you know, 10, 15 games with the national team to kind of work with, right? When you're looking at candidates, this guy played 12, 15, this guy killed it at the Gold Cup, this guy killed it in World Cup qualifying. There's none of that. There are four games. And how much do you weigh these four games? I mean, Sebastian Legette's the only guy who played in all four. Do you give him the award automatically? Of course. 100%. So, Sebastian Soto yeah, should be well, Young Male Player of the Year or Chris Miller, <laughs> you know. Well, he's not young. He's like I guess you're right. Yeah, he's right. He's, he's like 24. He's like he's an old man right. on this. Right. In this, in the current player pool, Chris Mueller is older. Right? That is true. Um, you are right. But yeah, I don't know. Or, like, if you're asking me, just quick hit who I'm picking, who I'm voting for. I don't know. Man. No, no, no. We'll I mean, get into I, this next show. 
We'll get into this next show. Let's get into it next a lot of, show. A lot of good choices. Gio Reyna, young player. Give it to him already. It's not even... It's not okay, even we'll, get, we'll get into it next show. We'll move on. Americans. Well, we got to start with some McKinney, actually, before we talk about the Americans in Champions League. Now, Juventus, they are the top of Group G, defeated Barcelona. I mean, look, it's a matter of time at this point before it's official that McKinney's no longer on a loan and, and a full-fledged member of the team. But what a week for him. Scoring in league play, scoring in Champions League. Um, on that volley right there, I, dude. It's it's what a, it's been a wonderful few months for McKenny in Italy. Yeah, I mean he th- this th- a week. I mean obviously yeah, it's been a, it's been it's been a crazy month, a uh, few months for him. But this week, think about that, right? Yeah. Uh, he you know we said it last episode that the playing time hasn't been fully consistent, but you know now you're starting to see like he's get, he's starting every Champions League game. He comes off the bench against Torino in the in the Turin derby, scores a goal. And now this game he has against Barcelona and everyone's talking about the goal, rightfully so. Amazing goal. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd argue probably the best goal, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but for me, best goal by an American in, in, in European competition since Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Right? When Clint Dempsey with Fulham with the wonder goal. That was, so, what year was that? It was 2000. Ah, you don't, you're crazy. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to remember what year it was. Oh, four. No, not oh, four. I'm sorry. Oh, nine. Oh, I don't even remember what year. What doesn't matter. It was a great goal. Amazing goal against Juventus. I believe it was. Yes, it was. Um, at, at, in, well, in Craven Cottage. Yeah, so it's funny. Before it was the America scoring against Juventus. Now you get the guys, you know, the America scoring for Juventus. But more importantly than him scoring that amazing goal and having a great celebration, he kisses the camera. I mean, like, he, he celebrated like he's been there before. He Like, he had it all figured out. He had a celebration all plotted out. It was great. Um, the game that he played, he was the man of the match. You can argue, actually, the I, I believe uh, the, the the main Italian sports newspaper gave him the man yeah, of the yeah. match award. That's huge against Barcelona in the match to win the group. He he gets man of the match. He he not only did he score the goal, he kind of he helped them earn the penalty because he kind of forced the guy into a handball. Um, and he was great. And guess what, Sergio Desto was great too. As much as easy to kind of overlook it because Juventus won three zero, but Dest was probably the best or one, well, probably the second best player on the field for Barcelona. Messi actually, I thought had a really good game, even though he didn't score. Uh, Gianluigi Buffon, who I believe is an alien because he just keeps on making saves. He's like 150 years old and he's amazing still. But, uh, but yeah, Serginho Dest was great. And I don't know, man, Weston McKinney, I, I feel like he, people need to talk about him more. And as much as us fans love him as much as like, I don't know. I, I feel like he needs a nickname. He needs a nickname. Christian Pulisic, everyone like everyone ran with Captain America with Christian Pulisic. I don't even, I don't even like that nickname. That nickname's so easy. Ugh, it's cliche, right? It is cliche. Uh, Gio Reyna, Erling Holland called him the American Dream, and that's I'm okay with that one. That's at least more American, original. right? He's the American Dream. So we got we need a nickname. We need a nickname for Weston McKinney. That's what we need. We need a nickname. We need like a real. We need a yeah. He 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 deserves a nickname. He, he he's just. I don't know. I don't Let know. us know in the yeah. comments. And then we'll yeah. figure something out. And someone, someone made a good point. Someone, I saw a comment on Twitter. Someone, someone brought up a really good point. Like, how come no one calls Weston McKinney Captain America? And valid point. Why not? Why can't that's he be Captain America? started killing it before McKinney did. So that's that's. I get it, but yeah. why? Can't, yeah, but you know, can't, uh, Captain America is boring though. That's like that's that's I, right. that's. that's you gotta you got uh, you gotta you gotta spice it up, right? You gotta spice yeah. it up. It's too easy. You know what? How about Weston McKinney can be Captain Swag America? There no. you go. And he's working. Trademark. That's, Trademark. That's, no, no, no. I was t- listen. I was on my nickname uh, on my nickname search uh, the, the earlier today because uh, yeah. Paul Ariola. We talked about Paul Ariola uh, last episode, and I made the point. The guy's he's looking pretty jacked these days, right? So of course he plays today. He starts, scores the goal, has a great game. And then this guy's put on some muscle. So my nickname for, for, for him now is Paul Ari Swola. So there you go. Everybody, you know what? Everyone, I'm going to make t-shirts. I'm going to, I'm going to call Paul Ariola's people. Okay. You can trademark that yes. one. That's better than your swag <laughs> captain one. <laughs> Paul Ari Swola for all the DC United fans. Uh, and then there you go. But anyway, uh, let's get, let's get Weston McKinney a nickname. I digress. McKinney needs a nickname. Let's start. Let's start thinking about that. Let's start there you go. Okay, now Americans in Champions League overall did well. Out of the ten Americans that that were in eligible to play in Champions League this year, eight have advanced in the Champions League to the round of sixteen. Yes, Ivis. Nine played. 
Oh, nine. I'm sorry. You're right. Sorry. My apologies. Well, nine, nine played, played eight are into right. the knockout rounds. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for catching me over there. And also, I just want to point out that the, the two that did not advance to the knockout rounds, they're in the Europa League. So it works out for them. They get to keep having some international uh, competition. Or have the chance. Alex Mendes has not exactly played right. yet. Exactly so we'll right. And then, and then also, we have to point out, Zach Steffen made his debut in the Champions League Manchester City. Shout out for him. So uh, just, just an incredible year for the U.S. players in Champions League um, for, for, for everyone involved. And it can get even better because guess yes, what? Eight players going into the round of 16 draw, which takes place on Monday. And there has never been a matchup in the knockout rounds between two Americans. But now there's a very good chance we're going to see that. And, yep. you know, I was going to make a point to try to list some of the possibilities and, and, and you know, some some of them, you know, could we see we could actually one that I think we could see, we could see Tyler Adams against Weston McKinney. How great would that be? Cool. They're like, you know, the, the boys going against each other. Um, and it was again, it was great seeing Serginio Dust and Weston McKinney have a nice hug there. Uh, it was either before or after the match, but you just, you just love seeing that, you know, like the Americans they they do battle and then after the match they trade jerseys and it's just great. It's just great to see. And Knockout rounds, man. Knockout rounds come, and 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 that's that's the big that's the big stage right there. And we saw Ty, last year, Ty, last season, Tyler Adams with that huge goal in the quarterfinals, the winner. Hopefully, we get a few more moments like that. Yeah. Well, good news. We'll find out. Draw is next week. We'll find out what the deal is on that. I think realistically, could you see an American in the semifinals? Definitely. Finals. Oh, absolutely. For semifinals, yes. We we could for sure. I think see an American there. Yeah, I mean, come on. Manchester City can't make a deep run. Chelsea's looking pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Juventus is a little hit and miss. Barcelona's. We'll see on the draw. The, the draw, the draw yeah. you know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, Bayern is the team. Hey, look, Chris Richards is at Bayern. Bayern could win the whole thing again. So right there, you could have an American. You could have an American in the Champions League final. How crazy would that be? Why this this weekend, like I said, MLS Cup final is on Saturday. Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders. Uh, we'll get into a little preview right here your initial thoughts looking at this matchup between these two teams what stands out to you who are you looking at right now well the pick is i mean see seattle's the favorite but this is a very this is going to be a very very good final i mean i think this is you know when you think about matchups i mean columbus columbus is i, I like columbus a lot and they're at home caleb porter I love him as a coach. I think he, he can do great things, but Seattle, man, with the killers that they have, you have to pick them. You have to give them the, the nod as the favorite. Um, and it's all about matchups. Who wins the big matchups? And Donaldson Nagby against uh, against Nico Lodero. That, that's going to be a big one right there. And obviously, Arthur, Arthur's there as well, and he, he'll have a role to play in neutralizing Seattle's playmakers. But I think Donaldson Nagby... I think he understands how important that Ladero is to everything that Seattle does. So for that standpoint, you're going to see, you're going to see Nagby, you know, play his part in trying to shut down Ladero and Nagby, man, Nagby's won it. He's won two titles with two different teams. And, you know, if anyone can do it, maybe he can. So I'm going to pick Seattle, but Columbus, man, they're, they're absolutely a live dog. Uh, Cause I think they, I believe they are the underdog in this one. Um, and as we said last episode, will Eloy room start? Is he fully recovered? Is he 100% after the whole COVID thing? Is Derek Etienne available? Is he is he fit enough to start? Or do you stick with Luis Diaz? So there's still a lot of questions. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday. The teams, I believe, well, the teams, Columbus is in Columbus, but Seattle has arrived or is arriving now, or they just arrived tonight, Wednesday night. In, he just in covered Columbus. all three bases right Yeah, <laughs> they may, they should be there eventually. No, Wednesday night, Wednesday night. I don't even know what time it is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, Seattle is in Columbus now and a lot can happen in these next two days, especially with, you know, everything going on with COVID. You never know as, as, as scary as that is. I mean, but you know what, if there's anything that's kind of encouraging is seeing someone like Gustav Svensson who had COVID-19 and he scores the winner in the, in the Western conference final, maybe we'll see something like that with an Eloy room or Derek Etienne coming back from their COVID experiences. And maybe they have a part to play in the final. You know, teams that do win championships, right? There is like some type of, of kind of like aura or destiny surrounding them a little bit. I mean, doesn't it just seem fitting that the crew are in the final in the last game of this stadium that has been such a historic place for U.S. soccer? Like, I hate that these things exist in sports because my team never is the benefit of something special like that that I support, but it does exist. And like, doesn't it just kind of feel like that a little bit, Ivis? 
Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it is it is a little story, a bit of a opportunity for a storybook ending, uh, having Columbus play an MLS Cup final in the last game in the first soccer stadium in America, right? I mean, you, that's just like a script. It's a movie script, right? So you have that, you have all that. And then you have this MLS dynasty coming in, trying to cement their dynasty status, even though for me, they've already cemented it. For me, they are already a dynasty, but you want to, you know, obviously you want to see them get that third MLS cup uh, to kind of just stamp it and say, we are maybe, you know, they have a claim then that they are the best team in the history of MLS. And obviously you have other dynasties. You have the DC United dynasty that started MLS with, I believe it was three titles in the first four seasons. Yep. You had the LA galaxy dynasty with the Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan, David Beckham, Bruce Arena. And now you have this dynasty that is, you can put the bow on it now with this third title. So uh, we'll see, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's so many great battles in the coaching battle. I, I don't think it ever gets talked about enough, but this coaching battle is going to be something because Caleb Porter is a great tactician. Brian Schmetzer makes great, great adjustments. He's captain halftime adjustment, man. I mean, I don't know how many games we've seen where, you know, whatever happens in the first half, he, ad he adapts, he adjusts, and Seattle gets the better of their opponent in the second half. It's like clockwork. It happens every time. So, you know, that that's what I see. As, that's what I see playing out. I see the Columbus crew starting well, get that first goal. They have that momentum at home. And then Seattle makes the changes. They turn it on. Ladero and Rui Diaz, they get their thing rolling. And then, you know, then they take over. So that's pretty much what happened in the West Final. And I could absolutely see that happening again in the MLS Cup Final. You got a prediction? What's your prediction, though? Oh man, I hate predictions. Um, I'm gonna go Sounders. I'm gonna go Sounders as much. Mm. I'd go Sounders too. Yeah, I mean that's the easy pick. Um, the storybook pick would be Columbus Crew last game. They send their fans off, and I was there in 2015, man. It, it, I was there in 2015 when when they lost, and it's so funny how things full circle, right? Think about that. Caleb Porter s beats the Crew to win the MLS Cup in 2015, celebrating in that same stadium. Broke all the hearts there. Him and Darnton Agby. Ohio, Ohio, longtime Ohio resident Darnton Agby wins the MLS Cup there. Five years later, Porter and Agby are now with Columbus, and they can deliver that first title. So I'm going to go – listen, this is how I'll go. I'll go Seattle wins, but then next year Columbus wins it in their new stadium. So there you go. How about that? I can't even process all that. Lots going on right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, one final thing, I guess we got to get into the MLS top 25 players. It was released to celebrate the league's 25th anniversary. Now, as one of the uh, old guardians of the league, <laughs> is the list accurate? Are some things questionable on here? Are certain guys wearing the wrong jerseys? Well, that's the I mean... immediate reaction. Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know who made some of these graphics. Obviously, there were some bad decisions there. As I noted on Twitter, Eddie Pope, Red Bulls. Well, Eddie Pope in a Metro Stars jersey. Eddie Pope played two seasons with the Metro Stars. He was good, but he was a D.C. United legend. Eddie Pope, you put him in a D.C. United jersey, period. But um, this is such an – it's an interesting exercise, but it's bound to have its issues because it's just such a convoluted – idea because it's not as simple as who are the 25 best players that's not the question that wasn't the category it was greatest and in, and there was all this all these kind of caveats like in terms of influence and impact and all this kind of vagary that makes it easy to kind of you know have fun with the with the selections and honestly for me i think you put those gray areas in because you want to have an excuse to get certain people in there David Beckham. Um, but in terms of greatest play, if you're saying who are the 25 greatest players in the history of MLS in terms of their play in MLS, this it's a different list. It's not this list. There's a lot of guys on this list that would make that list, but that's not what this list is. So that's why it's hard for me to look at this list and see some of the guys who are missing that are like, listen, Shari Joseph was absolutely dominant absolutely top three or four player in mls for years he got team he he was a key figure in new england going to four mls cup finals and obviously they didn't win any of them but still he was an utterly dominant player and he's not in his top 25 um 
and there's some other ones that I'm sure would absolutely, you know, get people irate if you question them, uh, because you have certain people who are, you know, amazing players with the national team, amazing players in Europe, who their MLS careers, not really top 25. Um, so yeah, there's, so there's a lot of questions there. There's a lot of questions there. It's not a great list. It's a good list, not a great list. Well, but no list is perfect, right? I mean, it's, all right. Well, that's the thing. It's all subjective. It, it's all it, right. Exactly. It's also and and even for me, I vote. I voted. Full disclosure, I voted. And and normally I wouldn't vote, but you know, I did feel like you know what, this is twenty five years, and 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 I want to have you know, I kind of voted because I knew there were going to be people who vote who have no idea what happened ten years ago, who couldn't name you who the best players were 10, 15 years ago. So I felt like as someone who's been around from you know from the beginning, I felt my vote should be in there. Um, but even my, like I voted, right. I, I may, I went through my whole process. I voted and I literally, maybe an hour later, I'm like, you know what? I probably would have made some changes. So that that's the thing. So it's, it's subjective. You get 10 people, you get 10 course, different yeah. 25s, but even in that, those people will change their minds. And I probably would have changed my mind. And one other thing I want to say, I think I'm, I could be remembering this wrong, but I think they required six goalkeepers to be on your ballot. And why? Like, no disrespect to goalkeepers, right? But why does the league or wh whoever, I mean, the league is pretty much who did this. Like, why did we have to have, like for a league who's completely um, dissed fullbacks for years, completely like abused fullbacks and ignored fullbacks for years, why do they protect goalkeeping slots? Why do you have to have six goalkeepers in the top 25 all time? I, I could be wrong there, but that's on the ballot. I, I seem to remember that being the case. I don't know if that ended up being, what was in the vote voting fine if there were six on the final 25 but i thought that was interesting i thought that was interesting just so everyone knows three goalkeepers made the list of the greatest 25 there you, so go. there you go that's all you need that's all you need but I, three would have been good on the final ballot i wonder what happened there um and i did find it interesting someone who was missing from that list uh who i'm not surprised he's missing from the list but i'm kind of curious how many votes he got and that player is david via and we know he's obviously become the center of controversy with the yeah. allegations of, uh, you know, her sexual harassment. Um, but you know how that goes. Obviously, now with with the dark cloud hanging over David Villa, uh, there's a, you know, he's being erased from the history of MLS as we speak. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, when you put, you know, his career, you know, with his time in MLS, pretty good. But I totally understand it. I'm not saying he should have made it, but I thought it was interesting. And I am curious how many people actually voted for him. Yeah. Like I said, lists are never perfect. They're always going to be Who are you surprised? Because I, I, I want to hear, I, you know. I mean, David be Beckham was here. on here. I, I just feel like that's are just Are you like, really surprised? It's no, but like, but and, part of me just looks at it and I just, I'm like, eh, like, come on. Like, well, the well, the thing, it's literally, it's literally, it was written in the description of the whole thing in turn, if because impact, impact on the league. Once you, I mean, that is the David Beckham line. You put that in there because you want to justify David Beckham being on the I mean, like, but here's the thing. You can't argue that, MLS, argue that he didn't is make MLS an impact. that desperate for a little more publicity on social media it's not that though honestly like, listen like, I, i'll be listen i'm i'll be the first one to say that i didn't i haven't voted for beckham for the hall of fame because for me it's it's about your play on the field and from that standpoint i don't think he was a hall of famer in mls or, or in a, like his on the field play for me didn't justify him being a hall of famer so that's why he wouldn't be on my ballot but i get other people weighing the other aspects of it and you can't deny that he definitely had an impact on the league and that he helped bring credibility to the league and helped bring exposure to the league and helped attract a, a different caliber of player to the league he absolutely had that so if once you actually pencil in in impact off off field impact he's in there he is he's the king of that so when I saw that, I'm like, well, there you go. Beckham's definitely. And when I saw him on the initial ballot, I'm like, oh, he's definitely. Oh, I yeah, I know that. Doubt. It's just more I like... have zero doubt he's getting in there. But there's so many players that you can be, you can kind of ask. Like, look, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he only played two years in MLS. He was, but he was amazing when he was here, two years. I mean, again, he played, he won one playoff game, never won a, never won a title, never, you know, never got past uh, the, the first, the second round. Um, but yeah, there's always going to be players that are going to miss out. But I, I would say I think what stood out to me more was certain guys that I that I just kind of forgot about, right? Like Dwayne De Rosario. Like he's a guy that like played what 15 I mean, years, scored over 100 goals. But when I saw the list, I was like, oh, okay. Like he's, a, I don't know. I, I don't know where my he was great on. He was great on so many. Like 
he he played a part in the San Jose title teams. Yeah, of course he, he did. And, and this yeah, also he had the huge impact, part in Houston right? Dynamo. So, yeah, and, well, and that's the thing. There's so many national right scoring as many goals. Well, he I don't did, know right? the, the, the the Canadian thing doesn't. No, you don't anything. think so. But okay, that doesn't play into that for him. No. Because in MLS, for this, for the voting, no, no yeah, one cares yes. about that. What they care about is that he won, he led Houston Dynamo, he he won an MVP with DC, he was part of the San Jose team. So he, like, body of work, yes, I get it, he gets in there. Um, here's an interesting one for you, Clint Dempsey. Now, Clint Dempsey, if we're talking careers in general, obviously, all-time legendary American player, on the Mount, you know, I'll put him on the Mount Rushmore yeah. of American players. But if we're talking MLS just mls is he is he really that's that that's one where i'm kind of like I, I feel like people ju people's judgment are a little clouded because it's like you obviously it's hard to distinguish his national team greatness in his european success and then and then dissect and then cut out the mls portion of it he was very good in new england was he yeah, ever the best right, player? Why, is, why, why are they portraying him in a New England jersey? Like, what's, what's <laughs> well, going on here? Nah, well, but, so, well, he sold way more Seattle jerseys than he sold New well, England jerseys, course. if yeah, we're going to yeah, get technical. Yeah. Um, but listen, he was never the best player on New England, he, or even the second best player, or maybe nah, maybe not even the third best player on New England. But he was very good, good, young, up and coming, and then he made the jump to Europe and crushed it. Amazing career. But in New England... He was never like like for me. He wasn't that. He wasn't Shari Joseph. He wasn't Steve Ralston. I mean, even Taylor Twellman was a bigger had a bigger part to play. So then you go to Seattle, right? In Seattle, he obviously was great. You know, he had he had some good years, but I mean, you know, I always got the sense that people kind of felt somewhat dis like like they thought there would be more from him. So if you count if you take those two together, then what do you what are you using to say okay, top twenty five all time greatest, right? What are you using? If it's just MLS, so that that one was a little interesting. I'm not surprised by it, but it's it, it's worth a conversation. Yeah, and I know some people will not want to have that conversation because Clint Dempsey is is a is a god to a lot of American soccer fans, and rightfully so. But let's let's look at it realistically. Brian McBride, another example. Uh, he didn't make it, did he? Make he did not make it, but he's a player that a lot of people were like Brian McBride. How do you leave Brian McBride off? Look at Brian McBride's MLS track record, and. I don't know. I don't know if it's an automatic, like, I don't know if you get him on there. So it's interesting, man. It credit to MLS because this is absolutely a great conversation piece. It gets people talking about the league and it's great to, as you mentioned, it's great. It's great that people will learn about some of these players because like perfect example, Jeff Agus, cause I had some people or I had somebody on Twitter, like how does Jeff Agus get on there? Blah, blah, blah. And like, cause they remember like an own goal in the world cup, but like the guy was a key leader on two dynasties. On two, well, the, the, he was a key. He was a key leader on the DC United title teams, and he was a key player on the San Jose multiple MLS Cup teams. So he, I mean, he was an outstanding MLS defender. He gets on there, period. But who remembers? Like you know, there's a lot of New Jack fans that don't remember those early days. So it is what it is. I'm still looking at players. I mean, there's some other guys on there that people probably don't. We should have had. We should have saved this discussion. Once we had more time to absorb this list, it just came yeah, out. Yeah, I'm looking at it because I'm like, yeah. And I know I'm going to get hammered for the whole Clint Dempsey thing, but it's all I'm listen. No, I'm I, saying, I, look, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't think look, you're speaking some truth in what you're saying. I and I kind of do. I bet. Listen, I was there. I, I will look. Uh, I guarantee you, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of U.S. fans. There's a lot of MLS fans who weren't even paying attention to MLS or weren't even cognizant of MLS when Clint Dempsey was with New England, right? I, I was there. I was covering them. I I I saw him play there. He, you know, he was good, but I mean, take his MLS body of work, MLS only body of work, and it, you know what? It, it's it's not an automatic. It's not an automatic. So it's an interesting conversation, man, for sure. Chris Armis. Chris Armis is a player who I mean, he was he was unbelievable. But again, he's a defensive midfielder. Maybe, you know, maybe if during the Chris Armis era and the MLS 1.0 era, if you had Opta and if you had all the stats that you have available now, people would understand just what these guys did. Um, they'd appreciate them a little more because it's easy now when you see guys, you know, you see their, you know, passing range, you see their, you know, passing percentage, their tackles, their, you know, their interceptions, you see all of that now. 15 years ago, that wasn't, you didn't have that. You didn't, you had goals, no. assists, shots. So if you weren't watching the games on a regular basis, 
you didn't you you couldn't really appreciate what Shari Joseph did, or how he dominated games, or how Chris Armis could dominate a game. And that's why a lot of these, you know, unfortunately, some of these guys now are forgotten. And it's it's and it's it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality. It is. Well, I'm curious if maybe they'll do the next one. will be 50 at 50, right? For, for all still around by then. Jeez, man, what are you doing? You know what? It's a, I, I, I'm 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 gonna have to sit down and try to put to get put together a top five top five. Okay, but, that, but you're like but you're it's you're talking about like advanced stats like like how do they measure this like. Stephen Lenhart, you know, ability to get in the opponent's head. I mean, dude, he'd be the best in the league. He, you know what I mean? You can't even measure all. It's too many stats. Stephen Lenhart. <laughs> Stephen Lenhart. Yeah, yeah. Top twenty-five all-time MLS trolls. There you go. He'd be on there. He'd be, he'd be absolutely in there. He would be. He would be on the Mount Rushmore of MLS trolls. So maybe that's what we should put together. Yeah. You, you and I can name a top ten. Yeah. Next next week. Next week we're gonna do that. Uh, there's the list. You can go check out the list, everyone. Go check it out. Check out the list. On Let us know. Let it put in the comment section, or or you know, tweet us, tweet me, uh, and 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 send a tweet my way, and let me know. Let let us know what you think of this discussion, and let us know who is the player that if you could put one player on this list, and you could take one player off this list, who would you do? Who would you do it? And I say, hey, Steve Ralston. I was I I liked that Steve Ralston made it, because I'm pretty sure whenever I mentioned this whole thing before. Actually, when I voted, I might have mentioned the fact that, you know what, Steve Ralston is a perfect example of a guy who absolutely all-time great winger in MLS. One of the best, if not the best winger in MLS history. He held the assist record until Landon Donovan broke it. But would he get the votes to make this greatest list? And he made it. He made it, thankfully. And I, and I think that's great. So, But again, he has 100 and whatever assists, so that's a little easier to, you know, yeah. people can look that up. So. It's, it's funny though how everyone's takes on it were like, how do you not have Ibrahimovic or Rooney? Well, or no, I know. Well, no, Rooney, get out of here. I saw people on Twitter going, Rooney off. wouldn't like, make a top 10 DC United list. Would he make a top 20? United? Yeah, he probably made yeah, yeah, top okay, 20. Anyway. I don't know, man. DC United, you, first of all, you get, you're going to get 10 guys just on their, the teams that won titles. Like, you know, Rooney did well while he was here, but like, no, I'm sorry. Not going to get it. He's not yeah. cracking. Wayne Rooney's not cracking a DC United all-time top 10, period. Well, I, I think it's like you said right here, right? This list gets people talking and it introduces people to players maybe no one's ever heard of or no one's ever seen or they have no interest in learning about it. Maybe this gets them to go. Look you get the new Jack up. fans. You get the young fans who, you know, five, they have five years of, of, of you know, it's kind of like when you know I get into these debates with my 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 uh, my son Ivis Junior about like rap music, and it's like you know what like he, what does he know about Wu Tang? What, what does he know about Biggie and you know uh, you know early just, Okay, I just want to let you know I just typed into Google DC United best players. First player that popped up Bill Hamid, then Wayne Rooney, then Ben Olsen. So there you go, <laughs> Ivis. What do you know? Wayne Rooney's number two per Google. So. Ima Moreno is one of the best players in He's the number history four. of MLS. Number, number He's four. number four. Ima Moreno might be the fourth best. He's a, I don't know how Google picked this. I don't know how they picked him. Well, that's recent searches. No one's searching for Ima Moreno in, in Google at the moment. You know, so <laughs> Hamid. Hey, Bill Hamid. I put Bill Hamid ahead of Wayne Rooney in an all-time he, DC. Well, on this Google search, he is. So, so there you go. Bill Hamid, Ben Olsen, Marco Echeverry, John Harks, Richie Williams, Roy Lassiter. Dwayne Davis Rosario I mean, also played for DC United. Eddie Eddie Pope, no, mm, ah, it's, it's Dwayne Davis. Nah. Eddie Pope, I mean, come on, yeah, what's so going many. on there? Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, I miss that. Wraps up today's SBI rundown. Anything this was going to be a short episode. I don't know what it happened. With that. I don't know. It's like 40 minutes, I think, or something like that. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, though, my man? Nah, we could, we covered a lot, man. Hopefully, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to hit the road, and then uh, hopefully Sunday night, uh, I make it in one piece, and we can do a show Sunday night. And if we don't, then we'll, we'll have to wait for Monday. We'll have to, man, I might I might need a little recovery time from the drive back, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, and I will say that like, this is the last thing. I'll leave it at this. So this is going to be my 19th MLS Cup final mm -hmm. that I attend and cover in person. And I almost feel bad going because the longest list, the longest streak is coming to an end. And that's Michael Lewis, uh, the, long, the longtime legendary uh, writer who is he's the only journalist who has been to who has covered every MLS Cup final from, since the beginning. 
right? And obviously he is not gonna attend, he's, he won't attend this one, uh, you know, for health concerns, you know, he's, he's a, you know, he ha- he has a lot of, uh, you know, he, he can't, it's not worth the risk for him, obviously, because, you know, he, he's, he's older, he, you know, he has, you know, he's diabetic. And so th- it's totally understandable why he wouldn't go. Um, and, but, you know, I, you give the guy, like, I, I, th- I think we need to take the moment to appreciate someone like Michael Lewis, because he's a pioneer, a legend in this game as, as a, as a writer. I mean, this is a guy who like covered Pele and who Pele knows by name, like Pele sees Michael Lewis, Hey, Michael Lewis, he like Pele knows who he is and co- he covered him. So, you know, he has all my respect. And as someone who was like, you know, I, we were, we were rivals and competitors on the New York beat uh, many moons ago. And, uh, I came to really appreciate him. And, you know, I, much like we're, we're taking this time to think about the legendary players who people forget, you know, take a moment to, to think about Michael Lewis. And, uh, you know, it almost, you know, I, when I read his story about why he's not, you know, he's not going, it kind of made me like, maybe I shouldn't go, but I'm going to go. I'm going to keep the streak going. I'm already breaking my, I broke my U.S. national team streak uh, to uh, this week by not going to the game in Florida. Mm-hmm. I had gone 22 straight, 23 straight years at least one game covered for the U S national team. So I couldn't risk it. I couldn't fly down to Florida uh, and I don't regret it, but I will be in Columbus and it will be, I am looking forward to it. And I am happy that I'll be able to be there for the last game at cruise at the former cruise stadium, because there's been so many amazing memories there. Uh, I've been to so many huge games there. So I don't even know how many U S Mexico qualifiers I've been to there. So I love that I'll be able to be there for that as much as as weird as this year is. And as weird as that whole, that night's going to be with a limited number of fans. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm looking forward to it. No parties, no clubs, no parties, man. We were talking about that the other day, man, uh, in the heyday, in the SBI heyday, I can remember us throwing like the biggest party of the weekend for MLS cup. I still remember, I think it was 2011. I want to say, I mean, we had lines, we had a line out the door, we had bottle service, yeah, we had, yeah, we had MLS, yeah. we had MLS, play, listen, we may or may not have had at least one or two players who made this all time 25 standing online to get into this party. This is, this is nine years ago now. Those days are long gone, my friend, but who knows? Who is that, David maybe, Beckham? Before you I'm came not to saying any names, I'm not, a name, I'm not name dropping, I'm not, you know. I'm not saying any coaches were on that line or any players, but those were great. Oh, times. Bruce Serena definitely wasn't waiting in that line then, hundred percent. I'm not saying he. I'm not saying Bruce Serena has never been to an SBI party, but he was not at that party. So I'll leave it at uh-huh. that. Um, but 2021, hopefully, we'll get things back and things can get back to normal. And next year's MLS Cup, we'll do an SBI. We'll do an SBI rundown party. There you go. Hopefully, we'll you know we. No, it's been a while now. since since you and I party. It's actually, it's been a while. We're old man. That's why because we we're old. But we'll, we'll do it next year. We'll do it next yeah, year. Yeah, I like that. Good idea. I like that. Wyvis wraps up the SBI rundown. Have a safe trip to Columbus and, and enjoy yourself out there. Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for watching the show. We'll see you next week on the next SBI rundown.